All right, folks, welcome back to another episode of Good Game Radio. Here we are with a larger party than normal. We're going to go around the table here and introduce our guests uh, to the show. And we'll start with, uh, from the Gaming Together podcast, Nave. Say hey. Hey, how's it going? Uh, Gaming Together is a cooperative podcast. We like to talk about multiplayer and stuff like that. We get really crazy over there. I can t- You can see me ADHD looking around my room because people are making noise outside, but... I'm gonna try to not. I'm gonna try to focus as much as I can. Awesome, yeah. I listened to your last episode, and you guys were really entertaining. And man, <laughs> the depth of knowledge that you guys have on so many different games, I was really impressed by uh, your discussion. It really bites us sometimes because sometimes we'll go reference inside a reference inside a reference, and I'm just with we'll spin around trying to like <laughs> acknowledge all of it. <laughs> right. If you haven't uh, checked out uh, Gaming Together podcast. Check those guys out. They're great. Our other guest, my <laughs> oldest, Carson. Say hi. Hi, I'm Carson. I'm Tony's oldest daughter. <laughs> this is, our first, is this your first appearance on the show? This is my first appearance on the show. Awesome. Uh, we brought her in for her uh, level of expertise on a particular game that she's going to be talking about uh, tonight. So, uh, And she brings a level of excitement <laughs> <laughs> about that game so it should be pretty contagious and our usual fellow co-hosts here we got jaime yo how's it going guys and vance hello 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 and then myself tony so anybody who's checking out the checking out the show for the first time that's your panel for tonight tonight's episode is decisions 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 tough decisions points in games that really made you stop and think about uh, you know what to do, what's the term paralysis of analysis? choice paralysis? Yes, <laughs> yes. Like I have several games where it's just like, okay, let me put the controller down. I got to go think about this, right? So it's uh, those type of decisions uh, in games that we've played. But before we get into that main topic, we're going to go around the the panel here and talk about what we've been playing. Dave, want to get us started? Well, uh, Woe Long just came out, release day one on Game Pass, and it has been obliterating me. I, I, whenever, on the first day it was out, I saw a bunch of people on Twitter complaining about how hard the first boss is, and I'm just at work going, <laughs> pathetic fools. <laughs> and then I come home, and I, I'm, I died like 87 times on the boss. And the main thing was is that I didn't realize that the morale level mattered. And so I recorded our own show with uh, Mr. Badbit over from the trophy room. We talked about Sea of Thieves and we talked about Wolong Long for a little while because he's really enjoying it and he's really good at it. And whenever he mentioned that the morale level, the morale level affects how much damage you take and how much you do. I was like, yeah, yeah, I know that. <laughs> of course I know. <laughs> but really, I go back and I get it to level 25 and I beat the boss on the second try and I'm like, oh, my God. Oh my god! I can't believe it's it was that easy. It's all I had to do. So interesting that you brought up that game. I literally just downloaded that game and started playing like two hours ago, right before we uh, got on the air. And you sent me the email link about some of the topics you were going to be talking about tonight. I was playing Wolong for the first time, <laughs> and I feel like you know I like like Souls like games, you know, like difficult games like that, Elden Ring, uh, Blood Souls, and some of those other uh, From Software type titles i must be really getting like old and impatient because <laughs> literally in the game for in the starting level 
I don't know. I don't know if it glitched out or maybe I just don't know what I was doing because like after I killed all the dudes, I couldn't figure out where to go. And I said, this thing must be broken. I'm I'm going to, I'm going to uninstall it right now. I can't take this, <laughs> but no, I finally figured out, Oh, I just got to jump over this wall into the next section. But uh, the tutorial was telling me about the spirit and usually I'm just running through because I'm like, look, it's all basic. D yeah. for dodge uh, X for, for attack you know, Y or triangle, depending on which system you're on, uh, for like, uh, you know, lunging attack. It's all the same. And, uh, but then I actually stopped for a second and read, uh, about the spirit part of it. I'm like, Oh, well that's new. So, but then, yeah. so, uh, hopefully I'll get back to it, uh, later tonight or, you know, sometime later in the week, but, uh, yeah, uh, we'll long and it's great. Hey, free on game pass. Once you get past that first boss, you unlock co-op and stuff. So I'm really excited to start playing around with like helping people fight bosses. That's my favorite part of Elden Ring was going back to Radon and just helping people. Is there a co-op portion to it? Like, uh, yeah, I think as I've heard that it's easier to do than Elden Ring. So there's none of that nonsense of writing your name in cursive, uh, like at the 90 degree angle on a wall. I like, I'm just, <laughs> you know, I'm just gonna play it by myself. Like, if I've got to go through this whole trouble of like writing chalk on the floor. No, I'll pass. I'll just do it solo. Carson, what are you playing? I actually, so I finished building my game, my new very first gaming PC this week. And I've gone back to a game I've never really gotten to play, but I've had it downloaded on Steam for ages. So I started playing Oblivion last night. So I've been having fun with that. I recently finished Spiritfarer on Switch, which was a game I went into knowing it would tear me apart like emotionally <laughs> and grip into my soul and kill me and i went nah i'm not gonna get emotional like it's fine i probably cried five times playing the game a uh, really good story uh really emotional really uh has a great impact with the characters uh and you you never really want to guess take them on that last journey uh, so to speak. I won't really talk too much into it as it is a game best experience like on your own um, going through blind. But I just finished that. That was an excellent game as well. That's impressive. You're telling me the game made you cry? I Yeah, I cried. I've, I've, I've seen you cry <laughs> in your entire life like two times. Like, yeah, Carson I cried. just not emotional. She's like her mom. She's either one of two states whether like being stubborn or mad so <laughs> uh, trying I, I would have liked to have seen that because like i've like really like two times in your entire life i've seen you cry well, and here's the crazy part is there was one thing that happened in the game where i i thought i was going to be upset when it happened because i it has happened to every other character i was like okay i'm gonna be upset and then i wasn't just because of kind of what happened in the story but then there's finally closure to that at the very end of the game. I probably stayed in that scene for five minutes refusing to move on because of that and the way they did that. That's kind of what the whole game's about, too, is yeah, moving on. seriously. <laughs> Jaime, what Yo, you got? You know, I, I'm, I'm still stuck on Dead Space, man. I, 
I, I've said this before. I mean, I have to game around times when my my kids not around watching the television because Dead Space is kind of graphic um, <laughs> and the death animations for sure. And so I'm just like not playing it in front of my son. I'm just playing it in the evenings and and holy smokes, I had a near death experience like real life last Friday. I was playing the game, and you know, you know how in other games you you know. Off, off a xenomorph or a necromorph, and you go out of the room, come back, the body's gone. Uh, <laughs> well, not in this one. I mean, I, I was backtracking to go open up a door, and all, and all of a sudden there's like a corpse of somebody I had killed like several hours before. And of course I see it, and I start shooting at it, but it kind of like jumped at me because I, I was like turning around a corner and then realized, I was like, dude, there's like somebody right there in front of you. And I literally like did a jump scare on a on a corpse. <laughs> <laughs> That's what that picture you sent in our uh, in the Discord. Discord group, right? Yeah, but if you look at the picture, the dudes like like they're just saying like, "Hey, what's up?" It's hard out there on the Ishimura, man. Dude, I totally no, understand. No, no lie. <laughs> now, do you like the part they they added in the uh, uh, where you can go back and forth, kind of like? Um... Visiting old parts of the ship. Yeah, the the train, yeah. the trammer. Yeah, now, is that course. something you have to do now, or you is this it, optional? Sometimes, sometimes you have to backtrack because you get security clearance upgrades, so you can go and say, "Hey, now I can open up a different door, or go go pick up something that I couldn't before," which apparently is the game changer if you don't pick it up. And they give you some optional side quests that you can decide whether you want to do or not. Right, and those side quests revolve around going back into these areas and corridors. Now, did you play the original? No, ne- never played it. Watch so this my roommate is your first play experience it. with the with the title. Yes, and your opinion? I, I, I'm I'm having a blast with it. You know, it's uh, I, I I wish I'm I'm st- I'm in chapter seven. I don't know how many are left, but I'm I'm enjoying it. I I don't want it to end. Yeah, and, and there's twelve. Then, and, uh, and the other thing I'm, I'm doing is I've been grinding a lot on Marble Snap because I'm getting ready for the 18th so that we can do oh, yeah. our, 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 the tournament. Our, our tournament. So, yes, I'm trying. I'm experimenting with different decks, trying to see what I can really bring to the table that will be competitive enough to make, make me go beyond the first round. Since you brought it up for the listeners, uh, the audience out there, we are, we're doing our Marble Snap inaugural Marble Snap tournament. What day was it? On the 18th? On the 18th? Yep. At like 5 o'clock? Yep. Reserve yeah. an hour and a half so that we can go through the, the bracket. Not single elimination. You'll get guaranteed two matches. And let's see who comes out on top on topping has bragging rights for the rest of the year. We're really just kind of experimenting with like how it works. Yes. Uh, so as far as setting up a tournament. <laughs> I'm so nervous about starting that game because everyone's been asking me to play because I'm such a huge card game fan. Yes. And I'm I'm like I play Magic the Gathering and I'm like okay I'm not going anywhere else. I've spent like $10,000 on the cards over many over like a decade and a half. I I have a a good coworker who is an uh Magic the Gathering player and he started playing this I actually got him into this and he's he's now like you know buying the season pass whatever. And I was asked I was giving a hard, hard time I was like dude don't buy it you know just play for free. He's like dude I've played Magic the Gathering. I've spent like several thousand dollars in my lifetime on this. You know, dropping 
dropping 10 bucks every every eight weeks is nothing. <laughs> Dude, that's what I'm saying, man. I, I'll be the same way. When when we played Sea of Thieves, the thing I the very first thing I did was bought a pet. I bought a little Shiba Inu that followed us around that did nothing but look cute. But I was like, this is eight dollars well spent. I'm glad yeah. I did this. Yeah, Tony, that's 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 my gaming. Well, back right when now. I played World of Warcraft, the card game. They would include those loot cards in the packs that were uh, uh, pets, and um, you'd you'd scratch it off, you know, uh, and put the code in. If you were a wild player, you'd put the code into your account, and it would give you a rare pet that would follow you around in the in the game itself. And let me tell you, those things were really popular. Those things went for a lot of money. I'm a sucker for them. Yeah. Like I almost bought a fox too, but I can only have one pet out at a time. So I was like, I made my decision. It was a five second decision, but I made it already. <laughs> right. Yeah. Hey, Magic Gathering, that's like the grandfather of all card games. And then like mm-hmm. you got that much. If you're telling me you've got like 10 grand into that. Yeah. That's hard to, hard to go look for something else. Oh, it's bad. Yeah. Yeah. And nobody can really compete either. Like nobody has really seriously. While I think WoW back in the day, because I used to be a competitive card player, uh, and WoW, and I we would we would cross over occasionally into Magic, and I really really stink <laughs> at Magic. I just I'm so bad. I just would just quit as soon as I sat down. Oh, your win. So <laughs> um, easy win. Yeah, easy win. Easy win. All right, let's move on to Vance. Vance. What you been playing? Uh, I recently just uh, hooked my uh, PS5 back up, so I'm back to playing uh, Call of Duty and 2K, but more so Call of Duty. Uh, our youngest he wanted to play, so I said, "Let me hop on." He probably averaged like 35 kills team deathmatch. <laughs> I think his highest was like 60 something. Like he's only 10, you know what I'm saying? So it's like. All right, time for me to get back off. You got it. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I'm back on. Uh, you didn't mention how many kills you got. Hey, I'm at the bottom. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> you know, maybe pushing 10, 11. You know, I'm chilling. You know, I'm, I'm chilling. You know, my reflex is not what they used to be. So, yeah, right. You know, I just hold a spawn point. You know, y'all want me to stay here? Got it. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 Are, are you just still just playing uh, with the sniper? I put yeah, yeah, between the sniper and then uh we was on shipment and they pissed me off, so I brought out the shotgun. And, you know, <laughs> some people who, you know, like, <laughs> like hey. Shotgun and shield with some uh thermite or man, or claymore. Right, and claymore is a random spot. What's your field upgrade? Uh field upgrade is the um flashbang and the no no no, no I'm sorry, it's the uh the mobile UAV. The little dome looking UAV thing you can throw down. Okay. They use you the personal personal radar. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm uh that's what I'm using in 2K. They dropped a new season, so I play like one level a day just to, you know, get on there, but awesome. All right. Uh, that's what everybody's playing right now. So let's let's get into our main topic, uh the decision uh, decision points in games that, you know, I made us stop and think uh for a minute. The idea for this um episode kind of spawned off the fact that I was playing uh Hogwarts Legacy. Uh, for the first time, you know, a couple of weeks ago. And um, I, I got to the point where you're in the uh, in Hogwarts and you're talking to Professor Weasley. And uh, you've gone through some traumatic experiences, you know, to get there. You, you know, basically you're attacked on your journey there. And the person that you're with asks you to, you know, hey, let's not talk about this. Keep it on a down low. 
keep it secret. So I'm like, yep, I'll keep it secret. Just like you said, professor, you know, <laughs> and, uh, so you go to class, you know, part of the part of the charm of Hogwarts Legacy is, you know, while in between, you know, your adventures, you go back to the classroom and, and hang out with the professor where they teach you a new skill or whatnot. But my very first uh, class with Professor Weasley uh, at the end of the class, she asks uh, about that trip that got interrupted and she feels like something happened uh, and would I share with her? What happened? And I was like, is this a, is this like, if I tell you like something bad is going to happen, you know, or can I just tell you and it doesn't matter. But the way like the, the dialogue was written in the way, like the voice actor kind of delivered the line, it just had this little hint of menace to it to me. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, you know what? Nothing happened. It was uneventful. Nothing really. Uh, as far as outside of the, the the part that everybody knew, but yeah, nothing. And she would keep asking me, and then everybody in the in the in the school kept asking me, like they're just wanting me to say this, but I would always say, nope, nothing happened. But that's so you I passed the test. Yeah, that's right. what that means. Yeah, right. Well, I eventually did tell a couple of the other students. <laughs> or did that I trusted, he? <laughs> but I still don't know. Is there an impact for that, you know, that choice of, of telling or no? So that's kind of where this idea of this, this episode is coming from. It's like, you know, decisions, a lot of decisions we encounter have more immediate. Uh, you can see the outcome of the decision. But in, in this case, it's I don't know. But I'm just hey, it was great, great uh, design because like I'm still scratching my head whether or not it made a difference or not. I, I, I like that you were talking about Hogwarts Legacy because I didn't even consider that before. But, like, way further in the game, I won't spoil anything, but, like, you're able to learn unforgivable court curses, which apparently bad. I, I'm not sure. I'm not really that familiar with the with the lore. But when I got sorted into Slytherin, I was offended. I was like, those are the bad guys. I'm not a bad guy. I'm a good guy. And then the moment, the millisecond, I'm allowed to learn one of those unforgivable curses, I'm like, teach me. Teach me now. I want that. I want to be able to. Please. And, and that's kind of fun. Like Vance, you texted me the other day. Hey, is Gryffindor overrated? Because that's that's the house I was sorted into, and your daughter was wondering it, right? And I said, yes, it's overrated. Because like, as soon as I got slotted into Gryffindor, I felt like I need to be like all good and stuff, right? Like, I don't know, like. It kind of changed how, like, how I felt when I was playing the game. Like, because I really wanted to be like Ravenclaw or Slytherin because they seem to have a, there's dudes on Twitter and stuff like wearing their little Slytherin robes and like <laughs> doing little dances and stuff. Like, yeah, yeah, we're having fun over here. You Gryffindor dudes are a bunch of duds. And I, that's kind of like I felt that way. But there is a point where if you make friends with one of the Slytherin guys, He'll sleep, he'll secretly teach you a, one of the uh, the spells that you're not supposed to know. <laughs> like, you, and it's a choice. Do you want to learn it or no? Yeah, tell, tell me. Come on. That's what I thought was really interesting was that you have the choice to not learn it. So, like that, just giving the player that small amount of like agency in their like role play experience. I think that that's really important for immersion. You know, it's really cool. Yeah, it, it definitely, definitely was. Uh, pulled me more and more into the story it, it really and like i said 
question marks does this decision make a difference it maybe it does maybe it doesn't but you know just like not knowing but then having the moments where hey i feel like i'm kind of getting away with something because like it's slotted me into uh, to this thing that I'd perceive to be like, you have to act a certain way. So I thought that, I thought that was great. Let's, let's go around the, let's go around our panel here and, uh, and uh, talk about some of the games that have impacted them and their journeys as gamers. And Carson, I think you wanted to jump in first, right? <laughs> well, one of the things that popped up pretty quickly when this, this question topic was first announced in the discord uh, was Mass Effect. I think when a lot of people think about the Mass Effect series, you know, you think, one, you think about the ending. Uh, two, uh-huh. you think about, um, you know, Paragon, Renegade Choices, the little circle wheel with all of your different choices. And so there were a lot of times, so even still, where you had to make some really, like, tough choices. And, but uh, obviously one of the main ones that we think about is the Vermeer choice. Uh, do you save Caden or Ashley? And I'll go into a playthrough nine times out of 10. I'm, I'm going, I'm going to save Caden. Uh, I like him more. I like him with his biotic play style with the way I play my characters. Cause I like to do the biotic combos. Um, and that's really cool, but there's always that question, you know, do I save him or Ashley? And even if I have my mind made up, I'll get to that moment in the game and I'll sit there. And I'm just like, I mean, Ashley has her sisters, but Caden's a nice guy. And that's that's one choice. But um, another choice that I brought up is there's a DLC in the very first game called Bring Down the Sky. And kind of the whole premise of that DLC is you're sent to this human colony world called Terra Nova. And these alien space terrorists um, who are Batarians, they're basically taking this asteroid that they've been doing a lot of mining on uh, and they're going to crash it into the planet. And so you're left with the choice to, when you kind of get through and finish the quest line of deactivating those torches and you confront the terrorists, uh, he's taken hostage three of these engineers who have been helping you over the radio the entire time. And you're basically given the choice, do I let those three people die and chase the terrorist down or do I let him go and save those three people? And, you know, especially from a role play perspective, you, you really have to think like, well, what would my shepherd do? Uh, even if this yeah. doesn't have much of an impact or maybe if you feel it does have a, a bigger impact later on in the game. I mean, if you let him go, there's no telling whether or not he's committed terroristic attacks or not in the future but if you try to kill him you're killing three innocent people and so i'll sit there and i'll go back and forth well i think my ship would do this but would would she really usually i want usually i end up killing balak because i'm like you know i don't want a terrorist on the on the loose which is really interesting because i play mostly paragon and that's the renegade choice um, but I feel like that's more, I don't know, to me, like saving the three innocent people is fine and all, and you definitely want to save those innocent people, but do you actually risk him killing more people? Now, later on in Mass Effect 3, uh, if you do let him live, he actually does show back up, 
uh, and he can be added as additional war assets, which kind of goes into the flavor of the ending of the game, which we can get into in a few minutes. <laughs> but he, he can show up, and if you save him, you get those additional war assets that kind of helps you, boost you to getting a better ending. Um, if you don't save them, you still get some more assets. It's just not as much. So um, you brought up an interesting point about the role-playing aspect when it came to your decision-making. You, in your decision process that you were describing, you actually included like what my character, if I was role-playing my character, what I thought that character would, what their decision would be versus your own personal decision and you you went with what you thought the character would be as the more deciding factor right yeah for you in playing games is that especially rpgs and stuff is that how you're approaching your rpgs and stuff like i'm into this character this is how this character would act in this dilemma or this moral decision that takes precedence over your own I'd say 80 to 90% of the time, yes. Uh, especially if I'm, again, I'm playing a game like Mass Effect or like even Skyrim. Um, I mean, there's a choice in Skyrim, which, you know, you sit there. If you do the Dark Brotherhood quest line, for instance, you get all these extra quests, but the game wait, wait, gives you. You cannot do the Dark Brotherhood quest. You can actually destroy the Dark Brotherhood. I, That's the thing like, you can do. But it's and not so fun if you don't. I know. It's not as fun. But if I'm playing this noble character who doesn't lie, cheat, or steal, as much as I want to join the Dark Brotherhood, like like me personally, I might not want to necessarily deal with them. I might want to get rid of them. And, of course, you could just say, well, you don't even have to encounter the questline at all if you don't kill Grelot the Kind in Riften. But what if I want to kill Grelot? Because if you, you go into that orphanage, and if you're playing this out, upstanding character, you go into that orphanage, and this is the thing that always makes me like, yeah, even though I'm playing a good character, I'm going to kill her. Because like, there's this little room, and there's like a bucket with shackles on the walls. And I look in there, and I'm like, well... And you hear the stories from the kids and from the other lady that works there. I'm like, this 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 witch is like torturing these kids, basically. Like, I'm gonna get rid of her. And if I have to get rid of the Dark Brotherhood later, cool. I'll get my three thousand septums, and I might not get that whole storyline on this character, but nothing says I can't play another character too. Carson, you actually brought up the 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 the, the, the trolley problem dilemma. Yeah. Right. So it's like. Uh, for those not familiar with it, you know, the question goes something along the lines of you're on a train, you have the direction to change the train to go on, you know, one way or the other. If you're going one way, you're going to hit five people. You you could decide to shift gears and change into like the other direction, but you're absolutely going to hit one person. So which one do you pick? Oh, we taking out that one. <laughs> I don't remember what degenerate YouTuber I was watching, but he was talking about, he's like, I get the guy, the one guy on the track, I put him with five other people, and then I myself lay down on the track, and then we all go. <laughs> Actually, there was an episode in The Good Place where, you know, the, the, the Ted Danson is not a good guy, and he's like, oh, the problem's easy. It's like, how do you do to do exactly that, to maximize and get everybody? You know? <laughs> 
All right. So, Nave, do you have any uh, anything you want to add about uh, Mass Effect? Uh, I, the thing that I always like, especially when in regards to decisions, is the there's a huge plot point around this thing called the Genophage, which is probably one of the most interesting things that I've ever experienced in a video game. Just trying to dive deep into like lore and stuff like that, and Mass Effect has so much lore. But the Genophage, just to kind of poorly sum it up, is uh, one alien race uh, is a warmongering race that is uh, extremely violent and reproduces rapidly. And they were basically conquering the entire the entire solar system. And one of the ways that they decided to attack these, these guys, because these guys were just winning, they were just going to conquer everything, and they were going to make like a giant fascistic solar system uh, government. And so what they, de- what they decided to do was they developed this disease that sterilized all of the females so that they couldn't reproduce anymore and killed a ton of the uh of the of the warring alien race and that's something that comes up a lot like there there is a there is a tension between the humans and the turians because when the humans very the humans first contact it's called the first contact war in the game uh whenever they run into the first aliens it's immediate war right away and so there's 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 tension between those two, but then against this uh, alien race that developed, I think it's the Salarians, and I can't remember what yeah, race. The Rex Salar- so the Salarians developed the Genophage, and the Turians deployed it on the Krogan homeworld. The Krogan are the are the warmongers. Um, there is a there is a real tension between the Krogan and basically all of the Council races because of this. Because everyone's very resentful for what happened, but it's also this situation where it's like, yeah, if we got cured, we'd probably do it again, you know. And so there's like this really interesting dynamic where you have to fight. You have to fight through this racism that is just inherent in the interactions with these characters that all you have one of each race essentially on your crew and you will have moments of tension between these. And my favorite character in the whole Mass Effect trilogy is uh, Morden Solace, who is Same. the I love he's him so much. awesome. You you get a you get a really awesome interaction in Mass Effect Two where with this character he you realize he know he knows a lot more about the Genophage than he's been letting on. He's he you immediately know he's like a ruthless scientist uh, that will do anything to help people, even if it means killing people. Which <laughs> he's he's a very complex character, and you realize that he has a lot more to do with the Genophage than he initially lets on, and you come across this person who's trying to cure the genophage and you have an option to destroy this because it is inhumane testing that this person's doing. He's like kidnapping Krogan and, and experimenting on them. Like I'm, I'm I, like, there's some allegories here <laughs> to real world events, but the, the, the end result is that he's trying to cure the genophage, even though he's killing many of the Krogan, he's trying to help them in the end. And you have to decide if this is something that's worth keeping this information that he's gotten from this all of these wasted innocent lives or and some of them volunteer like you learn that they're not all captive you've run into one that is like i want to be here if it means i'm saving my race that this is the really awesome decision making that bioware used to be capable of and uh, and i'll never for like i think about i think about the genophage and morden all the time <laughs> just in any any everyday life i think about this stuff correct me if i'm wrong but in mass effect 
your your commander Shepard, right? That's the name yeah. of your character. Yeah. Uh, that you're trying to bring together like a, a coalition to fight uh, the Reapers. The Reapers who are who come every so many thousands of years and basically destroy all the other civilizations in the galaxy, right? Is something mm-hmm. on the lines? Yeah, every, um, every 50,000 years. So a lot of your decision-making is based on, like, I'm trying to build a coalition and, like, how is this going to benefit? How can I benefit the coalition the most, right? As a, another factor that you're trying to factor in in a lot of these yeah. decisions. Yeah, so it's like Mass Effect. It's just a, it's just a game of thousands of decisions <laughs> that are critical for the survival of the entire galaxy. No pressure. Yeah, and it's beautiful. The discussion on the genophage and what you brought up brings me to a really good point. In Mass Effect 3, at the end of basically the first arc, um, during Priority Tachanka, you have a chance to cure the genophage. And yeah. it's a culmination of all these different points throughout the last three games that can kind of determine the outcome and how it affects you know, your, your war assets, how it best serves the coalition. Because right before all of this, you get a message from one of the Solarian Dalatrasses. I think it's the Solarian counselor herself. And she's like, if you cure the genophage, like, do not count on a ton of Solarian support. Like, we're not, yeah. not going to help you. Uh, and the interesting thing is there's a way to get both the Krogan and the Solarian support for the most stuff, but it's like, it's a really awful choice. And I've not had the heart to be able to play a playthrough where that happens because it requires the death of like one of the other major, like well-loved characters. Why? Tell me why you can't pull the trigger on that. Because I love Erdnot Rex way too much. And it sucks because you have to choose between Rex and Morden. And, like, I hate losing Morden, too, because he's my favorite character. Like, he and Garrus are my favorites. But, like, also, Rex is trying to do good by the Krogan. He's trying to make them better. Um, And if you don't have Rex in place, because he can die in Mass Effect 1. Like, you can shoot him on Burmire because... You come across Saren's base, who's the main villain of Mass Effect 1, and you find out Saren's trying to cure the genophage. This plot device comes up multiple times throughout the series. Yeah. It's like, Saren's trying to cure the genophage. And Rex is like, I don't know, Shepard. Like, I want to help you stop him, but he's trying to cure the genophage. And if you, there's a side quest you can run that can basically help you save Rex. Or if you have enough Paragon or Renegade points, you can convince him. Otherwise, like, Either you or one of your squad mates shoots and kills him. Um, and if you don't have Rex, his brother Reeve takes control of the Krogan. And Reeve is like how we were describing, like the mindset of the rest of the warmongering Krogan. Like Reeve just wants to destroy everything. Um, and then the point about the data comes into play too. So if you decide to let Rex die, put Reeve in charge. He's a terrible person. And then don't save the data so that uh, Bakara dies in Mass Effect 3. This all culminates to where you can actually trick Reeve <laughs> into thinking you cure the genophage, let Morden survive, and you get the Solarian stuff too. But it's like, at what cost? Like, you've just doomed the Krogan pretty much. Like, you've just doomed an entire race to basically genocide. 
And also, you you miss out on one of the best self-sacrificing scenes in all of gaming. Uh, and as much as I love Morden, it's it's a good end to his character, that sacrifice, because he spent so long defending his work on modifying the genophage, and then he turns around and decides, no, I'm going to fix what I've done, and I'm going to help stop the genophage. And it's great, too, because the last thing he says to Shepard is, it's like, uh, what is it? It's like, it has to be me. If anyone else did it, they'd probably screw it up. And then he just goes up and he leaves you. And you're just like, God damn, I and love you. And then he like, he like, is like humming like a song to himself. Like it's well, the one that he sings in Mass Effect 2. I, I am a very model of a scientist, Solarian. And he, like, he's humming that at the end um, until you, he dies. So yeah, I, I, I can't. I want to do a playthrough one day where you kill Rex, but I, I can't. Bioware, that's makers of Mass Effect, right? Yeah. So they've done an excellent job of like making you emotionally connected with all these different characters and then putting you in in just positions of just hey, how can you hurt yourself and and and, and these people that you've come to to enjoy as part of your parties, right? All right. So we could probably talk about Mass Effect, sounds like, for hours, but yeah. when we get on to some <laughs> other games. Uh, Dave, what game uh, uh, do you want to talk about? Well, I think I should bring up one of the most important decisions in all of gaming, and that's at the beginning of Saints Row 4, where you become the president of the United States, and they ask you if you want to be the president that cured cancer or the president that ended world hunger. And then... Five seconds after you make that decision, aliens invade, and it does, nothing matters. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, actually, I really want to talk about spe- um, Spec Ops: The Line is obviously the thing on my in my mind right now. But I don't want to spoil Spec Ops: The Line, especially it's going to be a hard, it would be a hard conversation to have to talk around that. But there's a very very emotional decision at the end of that game, and it's the, probably the only time where I've ever been just stun locked by a decision there are i can't talk about it so instead i'm going to talk about the bloody baron from witcher 3 <laughs> uh have you guys have you guys uh gotten to the first that's it's like the first eight hours of the witcher 3 this yeah. is probably the first main story I beat of the game it, it's been a few years but yeah i've 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 played through uh witcher 3 and i i vaguely remember that quest uh this, so the Bloody Baron is, it's a string of quests where, it, at first it's a main storyline quest, but after you get done with the first part, you can screw off, you can go do whatever you want afterwards. But you can continue to interact with this Baron for that, he, he has lost his family and he tasks you to find them. Mm-hmm. And the more you uncover about this entire situation, you realize that these people weren't kidnapped and, or they weren't like killed or anything. These people ran away because the Baron is a a horrible alcoholic and a very vicious abuser of his wife and his kid to the point where he beat his wife so badly that she lost a child that they were going to have. And that's what, what broke the straw of the camel's. That's what broke the camel's back was that situation. And you go through an entire storyline where this, this 
this character who is an empathetic figure at first becomes a demon and then slowly becomes an empathetic character again while you're trying to sort out all of this guy's baggage. And in the meantime, you're you're going around, you're wrestling with a tree that has the spirits of things. And it's like, do I kill this, these spirits or do I let the spirits live? These have implications further down the line in different quest lines and, and moral implications and all of that. And you run it, you, you run into this cascade of events where you ha- you have all of this stuff at your feet suddenly you're the arbiter of 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 time at this point you're going to decide where we're going in the timeline and the the ending that most people get with this bloody baron saga is probably one of the biggest gut punches that i've ever had in a game in in a game probably in all my life that only talked by like maybe spec ops and that is it was so it was so impactful for me that I put the game down the moment I resolved those quests. I went and I bought The Witcher 1 and The Witcher 2, and I said I refuse to play any more of The Witcher 3 until I figure out what this is about, because this is incredible. It's, it's the epitome of, of decision-based storytelling, uh, that beginning of that game. The rest of the game... It's pretty good, but the Bloody Baron story arc is worth the price of admittance alone. Yeah, now Witcher is pretty famous for uh, the just those side stories, just just being these huge game, like not really games, but just huge stories onto themselves. You know, usually yeah. we're used to like, hey, can you go get me some, you know, wolf pelts, you know, and bring them back? <laughs> you know, those are the type of side quests that we get in most games. But uh, Witcher. Witcher is giving you like a, a whole narrative, um, yeah. That uh, that's impactful. But I, yeah, I vaguely remember that one. It's been, I mean, yeah. It's really interesting too because it's kind of hard to spoil it. I mean, that you can spoil the 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 actual story beats, but the decisions they they start branching things out so wildly to the point where. I I remember trying desperately, just as with everything in my power, to make. I was like, for sure, I have to get this woman and this child away from him. I want the Baron to be good. I don't want to decimate this little t- this little shanty town that they're hiding in. So I tried as hard as I could to make the best out of these situations, and I ended up just dropping every single ball. And just ended up with the worst, probably the worst possible outcome, besides the fact that the that the wife got away. I got her out of there and then screwed everything else up, thinking that I was doing the right thing. So is that enough? Like, is that enough to cause you just like, I got to restart the game or I have to live with my decisions? It's, it's, it's written so well that I loved it. It was so tragic. It was it was it was fantastic. And I think that a lot of people ended up with the Baron not surviving this story arc. And I think that there's many ways that that's kind of that it could have gone, but I think most of the time the Baron doesn't survive if I'm if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah. Like it, the game is just it's told in such a compelling way that there are three different endings to the Witcher of which I won't spoil, but I got the worst ending and I was just I was just obliterated for like three days. Like I couldn't play anything else because the ending was so, it was so good. Even though it was the bad ending, it was just a wonderful experience. That just reminded me, you're talking about this tragic, I'm so bad. Um, (laughs) You're talking about this tragic story with the bear. And I'm the whole time I'm thinking about the unicorn. (laughs) Unicorn. Yeah. (laughs) Um, 
Never explicitly stated what the unicorns were. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so yeah, how, how many different decisions you had to make uh, to get the uh, the unicorn scene? <laughs> but, Very funny. Uh, yeah, but uh, was there a mechanism in that game that didn't? We were talking about. I think uh, Jaime and I were talking about this the other day about. Uh, uh, I I was recently playing Forspoken. And got mm-hmm. to the end, and there's a there's a point where you you're given a choice, right? One uh, choice number one is continue through this portal to this door, and you get to be the hero, basically, or fight to be the hero to save everybody. Option two, go through door number two, and you just go home. Uh, you don't care about what happens in the world that you're in, and you're just going to go back and be a couch potato. That's literally... It's like the Matrix. Yeah, right? So, of course, what I do, I cheated. I saved the game (laughs) right there. And I was like, okay, I'm going to save right here. I'm going to go do option number one, and then I'll come back and do option number two. Was there a mechanism in The Witcher that prevented you from doing that? I think there was because I think the decision, a lot of the decisions that attribute to your ending are scattered throughout the game. So it was just my incompetence, essentially, that ended up fumbling everything towards the end. Which funny thing is, guys, I did go on Google, I mean, on YouTube, and I watched the rest of the endings. The bad ending is the best ending. So I will <laughs> die on the hill. It is so tragic. But, um,. I, yeah, I don't think there's a way to salvage it. I think you have to be aware. I, th- I think you have to be aware of that the endings can change so that you can use your decision-making at the moment. I didn't know there were multiple endings, so I just thought that that was the canonical ending that I got. Right, so the first time I played through uh, Witcher, I didn't know there were multiple endings either, and then it, it went through like the end credits, and it's like, here's, you know, here's your ending or whatever. I can't remember how it was presented. And it was like, wait, there's mul- there's multiple endings. <laughs> Which one did I get? And uh, I had to immediately go check it out. I think I got a pretty good one. Uh, if there was a scale, you know, of good ending, bad ending, you know, it was up near the top of good. I remember you telling me about this too. You you beat the game, and you're like, I realized though, it's like I got a good ending, but I didn't get the best ending. And you you were able to go back and like. There was one single decision there was one that you had to make. It, uh, where it's like, if you continue with the story here, you know, there's no going back or something like that. I remember yeah. that. Part. But uh, for most of the game, because it has this just like constant saving mechanism yeah. uh, that you see a lot in games. But uh, I think that's just like why it was preventing, like, uh, like you couldn't like save a specific save or something. I'm not sure. I'm totally, totally wrong. Uh, anyway, let's jump to Jaime. Uh, unless you had anything else you want to add, Nave. Oh, no. Everyone play Witcher and Spec Ops. Play Spec Ops first. When you told me that we were going to, uh, uh, you were thinking about talking about Spec Ops, I'm like, I've never heard of Spec Ops. Um, <laughs> so let me let me go on YouTube and look, uh, check it out. And it's you, got like, uh, man, there were like comparative video essays. Vi- a million yeah, of them. video essays on, on this game. Like, Heart of Darkness, Apocalypse Now comparisons. Oh like, yeah, I'm like, what? And uh, <laughs> oh, it's so good. I'm so happy you don't know anything about it. That don't just stop at this yeah. point. Just play it. Don't know anything. Well, That's really, the best way. I really looked it up. Is this compatible on my Steam Deck? Because I, I I want to put it on my Steam Deck and play. But yeah, it's, it's backwards compatible on Xbox as well. If people are curious. 
Um, yeah. All right. Jaime. Yeah. What you got? Hey, so, you know, I've been brainstorming a lot on this, on this answer, but you know, when, when Tony, you and I got together, we were brainstorming ideas. I mentioned that one of the earliest recollections that I had about a game where you had to make a decision and I was so upset with it was the original Streets of Rage. You got to the <laughs> end, you got to Mr. X, you made it to the final boss fight, and he asks you, do you want to be good or do you want to be evil? If you decide to go evil, you get, he opens up like a trap door and then you're, you're like, sent back to like level three or something you have to like play the whole game again right this is this is before save states were so you know i've been thinking about like things that have happened and i was getting ready for this you know i was ready to talk about bioshock right you know do you harvest oh, yeah. the little sisters because i never did i was always too chicken enough because because har- harvesting is code for you know getting all high on 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 adam <laughs> um or, or you know, I I even was thinking about Persona Five because you have to make the use of your your time in between missions, and it Persona Five always left me with that feeling of, am I really making the best use of my time? Should I go and you know be friends with somebody so I can increase the you know the, their bond level, or go and do activities to get you know be better at negotiating with with the bad guys when you capture them, etc. I, that that one always like left me thinking like eh, maybe I should have spent my time more wisely. But the one that I actually ended up coming back to was the original Life is Strange, and I know probably everyone here is going to be thinking if you've played Life is Strange, is the the decision at the end where it's like in the final chapter, do you choose to save your friend Chloe, or do you? If you choose, if you pick her, you basically doom Arcadia Bay, completely doom it. Or do you choose Arcadia Bay and, you know, goodbye with your friend? Well, no, that was not the hardest decision that I had to make in this in my playthrough. Because at the end, I think it's at the end of Chapter 3 or Chapter 4, I can't remember. There's a character, her name's Kate, and she's being bullied because she was in the, she went to a Vortex party and she was taking some pictures, making out with guys. And she, in, in the game, Kate is a, a Christian, you know, very, like, wears the cross, everything. And, at, in a, and after being bullied so much, and again, Life is Strange is all about decisions. You can even rewind yeah. and go back and re, re, retake some decision, except some key ones. Well, at, at the end of this this chapter kate's just fed up she's like she goes into the top of the dormitory she's about to jump off and you're having an exchange with her trying to convince her to not jump off the ledge and there's one question in here in the series of questions and it's like you're giving three options do you tell her a suicide is a sin b Proverbs twenty one fifteen, I mean that is a choice that the game the game gives you. Or do you say Matthew eleven twenty eight? And so I'm I'm playing this. I'm thinking I have no context. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what what do I answer? <laughs> and 
luckily the game does isn't doesn't pull a Walking Dead on you where you know you have a timer that is that is, that's elapsing. <laughs> right. You got you, so, you got a chance to go pull out your Bible. Exactly, like. <laughs> but but in the series of questioning, this is I think this is the second to last question. There's there's one more question at the end where she decides whether to jump off or not, and. Let's just say that my series of answers was not the right one. And she jumped off and she does not come back in the game. I mean, at this point, you, you get to a part where, you know, your main character is basically saying, I can't rewind right now. <laughs> so so you know that this is a choice that matters. Yeah. Um, and And it's what's terrible is that right after this, you know, the police and the principal are questioning you and you can rewind and change your answers, but you can't rewind in this scene. So after the fact, I was like going like to forums and stuff being like, can you save this character? The answer was yes, but I had already committed to the path of she was gone. So it, it was, it was a deep, honestly, it was a deep moment because I was like, man, I don't know what the right answer was. <laughs> And so it just left me lingering with that feeling. So that that one that is more like you're you're wrestling with all those questions that you had to answer or ask before that, right? Like right. where did you where did you go wrong in that Where series? did you because there's like maybe four or five questions in the string of 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 the conversation. And 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 all of them I was thinking, okay, okay, I got this. No, these answers seem legit. Obviously this one where it's like, you know, Bible verse A, Bible verse B, or or this is a sin. It's like what? So yeah, that was one that again to me was very difficult because I thought everything was going well until I got to that point. I was like, okay. And then the next question was like, hey, you're gonna disappoint your dad, your mom, your brothers, and and I picked the wrong one. I I said, you know, you're gonna disappoint your mom, and she's like, ah, I don't like my mom. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, that's, that's the so one that I, made you, that stuck made you have a me. whole new respect for those, uh, people that volunteer at the suicide hotline. Dude. And like, I don't know how, I mean, if, if, if a game, if, a, if a game, you know, really messed me up, I was like, okay, yeah, it, it gives you some new appreciation. So if you're, if you're playing life is strange, you can save Kate. I just never went back and did it. Because to me, the, the, the storyline that I picked, the, the story that I carved out for myself was my story. Yeah. I, I didn't want to go back and alter that. Right, yeah. I mean, that's like impactful, right? Like you don't want to change it. Just like uh, Nate was talking about the tragic story with the Baron. Like that that's just the story that you felt like that you have now here in your, in your, in your right. heart when it comes to like, if you love, like, if you love the story, you love the game. It's like, I'm, I'm not messing and This around. is the thing. Like I can be having a conversation with anybody who's played this game and we've played the same game. And we are going to have completely different stories to tell. Yeah. It's like, Hey, I did this dude. I didn't realize you could do that. Spec ops. The line is just like that. <laughs> I got to look into this now. <laughs> right, you're recruiting. I'm about to download it on my new PC. <laughs> Vance, what do you got? <laughs> hey, I don't even want to tell my mind so lame compared to y'all's. So, <laughs> uh, a lot of people know I don't play single player games at all. Like, at all. Just 
not my thing. Um, so the hardest decision to me doesn't matter if I'm playing 2K, Call of Duty, whatever. I play multiplayer. Is your lineup? If we're going out there to win, if we're going out there to, find, uh, you know, have fun, who are we putting in the lineup? That's that's you know <laughs> the teammates. Yeah, teammates. That's my hardest decision, you know, because. Hey man, you know, in, in, I've seen you know, the like, results of poor decision making here. Hey, you're right. Because <laughs> I, I, some of the teams that uh, you've got videos where it's just you know, you guys are just stinking, and because uh, he streams a lot of his his matches, man, it's entertaining. Man, you should just tune in just to see the fireworks. <clears throat> that right. Bad choice. <laughs> you made nothing right. but bad choices. <laughs> hey, because you think about like what uh the one and only time I played Overwatch two it was with you all. You know you Jaime. Yes. And who else we had Jaime? Was uh, we, had, or... we had J Rod. Yeah. And I was just picking carries. I didn't understand what was going on, what the ability was. <laughs> I was out there <laughs> the weakest link, like there is that that certain pressure that goes along when you're coming into a game you're not familiar with, and it's like a co-op game, and you're you're asked to you pick a, a character that you don't know how to, you know what you're supposed to be doing with it. Well, and not only that, in Overwatch, you're you're committing to a role, not just a right. character. You're committing right. like, am I going to be offensive, defensive, or am I going to be support? And hey, if you I didn't don't know if I play was the, your role, either. you're out. Yeah. <laughs> You're just waiting for that comment from somebody. Hey, man, you need to you need to get good. Yeah, right, right. You got to get good, right? I was I played I was playing with my friend Dontre. Uh, we were playing some Halo Infinite, and I've never seen a game like this before. I took a screenshot of the leaderboard at the end because Halo Infinite's four v four generally, and so Don it was first to fifty. My friend Dontre had twenty two kills and nine deaths. I had twenty kills and twelve deaths. Our teammates had one kill in 12 deaths and zero kills in 17 deaths. And I'm like, if they had just gotten two more kills, we would have won. <laughs> I don't even understand how it's possible to go one in seven to one in 17. So, hey, we send the messages after the game. So, it's like nine year old me playing Call of Duty Black Ops in this like during summer break with my neighbor. And we would always start the summer and we'd have like two kills and 30 deads. And then we'd end the summer because we'd play like every day. We'd, we'd end with a closer to like one to one kill death ratio at the least. But yeah. <laughs> Learning the maps, getting used to it, you know, that sort of stuff. But yeah, hey, like you said, the choice of do I play with this person again? Because I know they stuck. Right. Oh, that's right. the worst. I I've been starting to appear offline on Xbox because I I have like 115 people just from Rainbow Six Siege and like from Halo, and I just get bombarded sometimes. Or if my party's open, I'll have like someone join and be like, just screaming into my mic in their mic, get on Rainbow Six. I need you right now. It's terrible out here. I'm like I I can't, dude. I'm playing Ghost of Tsushima or something. I'm not. No, I'm not even on the Xbox right now. <laughs> man, look. Speaking of that, man, like. So when you're searching for people, you know, like, and if you know somebody's offline, then, you know, you got to scroll all the way through your friends list. Oh, my God. Name, you know, <laughs> so my brother-in-law and my wife, you know, they come from the same cloth. They always offline. I'm like, 
Bruh, but hey, I see why now. So I slide offline now. Like, hey, I don't want to like, trash <laughs> me up. Let me pick and choose who I want to play with. You know, yeah. Like, like, what yeah, my let's... my game plan is? I oh, the people I send, uh, uh, the people I play with a lot that appear offline, I'll just send them a message so that they're just somewhere in there, and I can invite them from there. So I don't have to scroll through all the all that nonsense. Yeah, yeah. See, and then I got to make sure you know, like, they're not playing with anybody who I don't want to play with. Like, hey, man, who you playing with? <laughs> nah, I'm, I'm about to get word. off. Go, go, you know, go get some meat. <laughs> yeah, tough decision. You're playing like a four player co op. There's three of you in your party, and somebody messages you, "Hey, can I join you?" <laughs> and you're like, "Oh, that guy wants to play." Oh, dude, what you're do just describing me right we're now. We're getting off. Hey, yeah, we just, we're just. We're just finishing. We're getting off now. Sorry. Next time. You can't go offline immediately because they know. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. I, I kind of want to loop back around. I don't remember who brought up Streets of Rage, the first one. But <laughs> so we just recently did that for our show and we played it in Japanese for some stupid reason. And when we got to the end, we didn't know there was a choice at the end of that game. So when a, a prompt popped up and it's just kanji or kanji and I'm like, okay, I don't know. So I'm going to pick the top one. Philip, you pick the bottom one. And then that makes you, you fight. Like you got to fight. Yeah. And so we didn't know that. So we're like, okay. And now, now, now Philip is like Googling. What does it mean? And meanwhile, I'm just like, oh, I'm just beating his ass. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. I, I thought when you brought up Streets of Rage, uh, you guys had just talked about that in your last uh, episode. Oh, I didn't know oh, that, yeah. man. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I had told you. I had told you that even before that. Yeah. That I was like, man, <laughs> I didn't know. I was like, okay, I'm gonna be bad. Boom! You're punished for doing that. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Nave, thanks for joining us. It was. Uh, it was. Uh, it was great to hear everybody's uh, uh, discussion on their uh, some of their favorite uh, decision points in games. As a reminder, if you're, uh, I think uh, Vance has it in our chat, our Discord channel, and uh, so the Twitch, the Twitch stream. Out, you want to join our Discord community? Check yep. that out. Um, get in there and sign up for our uh, Marvel Snap tournament. That's on the 18th. Yeah. Uh, and Dave, you want to give us another plug for uh, gaming together? Uh, yeah, we you can find us over on Twitter at Game Together Pod. It's gonna be me just posting a bunch of stupid videos and memes and stuff like that, whatever I find funny on the internet. And uh, we also run an Instagram, which is also full of stupid videos and memes and all that nonsense. And then our show, Gaming Together, is a cooperative show where we talk about multiplayer and uh, just roast each other as much as we possibly can. And uh, I'm, I really appreciate having you, uh, you having a, me on. It was a really interesting conversation because normally we don't get to get in the guts of actual video games. We normally just get stuck talking about how I keep team killing Philip, <laughs> and that's it. Um, anybody else got anything they want to add, Carson? I, no, no, man. I, I only have a question because this is something I read in the Discord, uh, and I want to make sure make sure that everyone knows that we are reading the Discord. Um, you know, here's some of the top answers that we, we saw in the, the in the thread. Um, apparently, some people said that, you know, playing The Walking Dead, choosing Kenny or Jane. Um, big discussion oh around that. I, I, I don't have the context. Um, somebody said, and I don't, and, and Carson, you might know this, 
Somebody says that one of the hardest choices is telling a character they're dumb. Although that wasn't that's, really the that's fair. There, <laughs> that usually shows up in Bioware games. Yeah. Um, maybe it doesn't specifically say it like, "Oh, you're dumb," but I mean, there's a choice in the first Mass Effect game where you can call just a random NPC you meet. He's like fighting oh, with a police that's officer. No, no, no. But you're fighting with the, like he's fighting with a random police officer. And you can literally sit there and call him a big stupid jellyfish. <laughs> oh, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> That's one of my favorite moments in the game. <laughs> and how do you not say that when you right. see that grace your screen? You're like, oh. And and, and the other the other this uh, I guess top answer from Discord was the hardest choice is choosing what class to play in on any M- MMO because it's yeah. that's such a commitment. That's such a time sink if you don't like to be a mage suddenly. Yeah. Well, and the, what was the other most important question? Uh, what's the starting? What's starting Pokemon? Oh yeah, that I think that was you. Water. This is the best Pokemon. <laughs> Piplup. Best choice. The at only, least, at least for Gen Four. The only generation that I've ever broken my water rule is Weed Cat, the four twenty cat in the newest game. <laughs> I had to go with Weed Cat. <laughs> So, so those are the top. I mean, some of these are, you know, Mass Effect kept come coming, kept on coming back up. So we talked about Mass Effect, but those are like the top Discord answers for this question. Awesome, cool. And we could probably do a whole show on just the ending itself too for Mass Effect because there's a lot of discourse on that. <laughs> it has been for years. <laughs> And that's its whole other can of worms. <laughs> do an hour long episode on each character. Oh, yeah. you, pro- you could. <laughs> hey, y'all are the first people I've ever met doing the play Mass Effect. I've always seen it. Don't know anybody who's played it. I need new friends. <laughs> it's great if you like if you like making decisions, and I like making bad decisions. So <laughs> I and then seeing the consequences of my actions, and that despite game is good at doing that. Always like despite typically like making a lot of Paragon choices, there were some choices in Mass Effect Two where I I go the Renegade route because it's funny. Like you can push a dude out a window at one point. There's another There's guy. Order. Yes. Like this reporter that's like slandering you and you can just punch her right in the head. And I'm like, oh my god, I did not know that, that was what was going to happen whenever I chose that. There yeah, is a choice uh, in one of the loyalty missions where you're sneaking through like the catwalks above all these different businesses and you run into this dude who's like, oh, you're not supposed to be here. And like the Paragon option is, oh, I'm the HVAC repairman. And then the Renegade option, you just run in there and you throw your hands up, you're like, run! There's a bomb! Go! What? Run! <laughs> great. Awesome. Alright. Let's wrap it up. This old, us old people gotta get to bed. <laughs> uh, Alright, thanks for joining us again here on Good to Game Radio. Check us out on Twitter, uh, our Instagram, and uh, again, join our Discord. We're a growing community there. Uh, we have lots of discussion on gaming and film. So, uh, all right. We'll catch you guys later. Bye. Peace. Yeah.